How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Well, hello, hello. Another day on another sleigh, even though, honestly, it feels like Friday, and I just want to be in the bed. I mean, <laughs> in fairness, listen, it is a rainy, a very rainy Thursday, and you and I Woo! both have been up very early handling business. Well, I have to say, guess who's making it all worth it? The voice you just heard, Char Jocelle, is back filling in for Cheryl Lazar, who will be back on Monday. Welcome back. Yes, it's good to be back. I've been having spot dates uh-huh, here and there. Uh-huh. Yes, and it's who knows? You, you may be around more often in the new year. Who knows? I just have to sing. It's good. But um, here's the thing. We have been spending tons of time together. We went to a, a beautiful holiday party last night. Netflix is single all the way. It was kind of their premiere party and celebration of the first uh, queer rom-com holiday movie to ever hit Netflix. How did you enjoy it? Well, I liked the event. Uh-huh. <laughs> I like, and you know what? No, no, no. I'm about to keep it fully honest on Channel Q. Let's do it. We got a little time. The event was cute. I'm going to be really quick. The event was cute, but Netflix has thrown better parties. Let Ooh, me start there. Okay. And the film, I thought, uh, what's the, the, the star's name? Um, Michael Yuri and uh, uh, Philemon Chambers. Well, I, we know Michael Yuri, but Philemon Chambers is the newcomer to the game, so to yes. speak. He shined throughout the film. Yeah, yeah, he did. He was very, very good. Yeah. Yeah, so I enjoyed it. We got to see some familiar faces, friends of the show. Just have a good little time. You know, it was kind of like a girls' night, me and Shar. Shar, we were, you know, on the prowl for men. <laughs> not intentionally. Are you no, kidding me? No, not, not intentionally. Well, but when you say prowl, it makes it seem like that was the motive. Well, maybe it was because I, we couldn't, we were there for five <laughs> seconds and Shar had pointed out a man. <laughs> We were there for five seconds, and I, I looked to my left and then found out Shar's in full conversation. I mean, I he was very cute to me, uh huh, and I enjoyed his conversation. But I wasn't the only one. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Wait, I have no clue what you're talking about. Let me let me tell you all something about Ryan Mitchell. <laughs> Baby, this fine man is in Ryan's face. Soon as he walks away, I look at Ryan and there is a light mist of sweat on his forehead. There is a light mist of sweat on his forehead. Ryan was hot under the collar because this fine man was in his face, smiling, big eyes. It's true. I was like damp. I was actually damp. Like, I was so nervous. I realized, I I got home and I said, what am I, like a 15-year-old teenager? I, I get so nervous and shy around guys that I am interested in. It's so weird. I mean, it happens, but they, when you have crushes, it kind of oh. reminds you that, like, you're living. It's embarrassing. 
It's absolutely embarrassing. But um, anyway, before we get into top of the hour headlines, honey, let me tell you what we're talking about this hour. We're talking all about Omicron and what scientists need to do to update the vaccines to make sure we are feeling safe. And we are safe, not even just feeling safe. Um, So let's first get into our top of the headlines. Are we ready? I'm ready. Let's get the show on the road. So White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki, uh, she's speaking about the Senate vote to block Biden's large business vaccine or testing mandate. It's been supported by two Democrats. Here is what she actually had to say. We're hopeful that this doesn't come to the president's desk. Uh, I can't make a prediction of that. I'd I'd leave that to the vote counters or the whip counters uh, in in the House. But if it comes to his desk, he will veto it. You know, she was in some little bit of hot water uh, this past week. Yeah. Um, Jen Psaki's known to kind of very keep her cool and just be very smart and witted. Like, she's really good. But she kind of got in trouble for a sarcastic uh, moment that she had when a reporter asked her about, well, you know, something along the lines of how can we get like testing, uh, you know, COVID testing at people's doorsteps mm-hmm. in the sense of getting a take home test. She kind of made a snarky, smart, you know, allegory like remark about, well, what are we supposed to do? Get at home tests to everybody? And, and it just was like, it didn't read the room very oh. well. And um, yeah, she, got, she was a, a little bit too much in her performance piece back. <laughs> She must, be re- she must be reading the comments how we'd be like, yes, Jen Psaki. Yeah, it kind of backfired. But, you know, I still love her. I, we all make mistakes. Um, now, let's talk about the U.S. Senate. They passed, um, they basically passed the Republican bill to overturn Biden's vaccine mandate. And that's what this clip was also about. I want to kind of give some context. The Democratic-controlled U.S. Senate on Wednesday approved a Republican measure that would overturn President Joe Biden's uh, vaccine or test mandate for private businesses with two Democrats joining Republicans to back the initiative. The 52 to 48 votes uh, sends the legislation to the Democrat-led House of Representatives, where it faces strong headwinds while Biden has threatened to veto it and then that is the response that we heard from Jen Psaki just to give some little some additional context, context to yeah. everything um, but that right now um, we can just jump right into the T-Report right because I'm finished with the top of the hour headlines I got more coming up next hour so stick around for that well unfortunately the T-Report this morning for the for the top one is a bit heavy I just oh. want to give everyone a little trigger warning it has to do with uh, the abuse of children SOS trigger <laughs> warning yes just a little trigger warning but Josh Duggar if you all remember you remember the Duggar family and they had that reality TV show on the A&E? It was either on A&E or TLC. Nevertheless, uh, a jury today found that Josh Duggar was guilty of recent child pornography and possession of child pornography. This is according to a judgment filed with the United States District Court, Western District of Arkansas. Now, what's most disturbing about this, Ryan, I'm not sure if you know about this, but the Duggar family used to do like the robocalls. Oh, well, I didn't know about that. But, you know, actually... I had when I grew up when I was growing up I actually loved watching the TLC shows from like Little People Big World uh-huh. and then the the Duggars they were one of the shows that I was I, very fascinated by just seeing this low key super Amish family <laughs> like, I like, never I never watched them weird. but I've been reporting on the Duggars since 2015 because wow. I found that they like they're horrible they're anti LGBT yeah. super religious but what I should say in the most disturbing detail about this piece um um what's his name Gerald Faulkner he tested 
testified on the investigation, and he said that there were photos and videos depicting children ranging from 18 months to 12 years of age. Faulkner also went on to say that in his 11 years of being an investigator, those images are, quote, in the top five of the worst he's ever had to examine. Duggar is going down. Um, I should mention that he also has a history. I think he abused some of his siblings. Like, it's just all very bad. And it's just interesting because it does seem like the most religious or the loudest that single out a group of people. It seems like they always have something to hide. And in this case, I guess for Josh Duggar, it was child porn. And what pisses me off even more, Ryan, is in his... um, what is it called? The mugshot released this morning. Uh, he has a smirk. Yeah, I he don't has like a smirk on his I face. I don't like this story. I, I'm so happy that he is guilty and gonna get locked the hell up because he deserves to like basically ride yeah, in prison. Yeah, in my you opinion. don't. We don't harm children. That is so disgusting. There's a special place for people who harm children. And that's just that on that. And we of course will have more tea reports. If you want to check out more details about this story specifically, head over to wearechannelq.com um, because our, everything from our headlines to what we're talking about here in the show everything will be there keeping you updated you can follow along there as well but let's get this party started let's start the show because let's talk about omicron and what scientists are thinking about as the country is receiving their boosters will the vaccines keep us safe that is the question we are all asking find out more coming up next Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. We're finding out new information every day about Omicron, and scientists everywhere are wondering one thing. How should they update the coronavirus vaccines? Well, joining us to break everything down is Deborah Fuller. She is a professor of microbiology at the School of Medicine of University of Washington. Thank you so much for joining us. Yes, my pleasure. Okay, so I think this is such an interesting topic, and um, you actually wrote a, a really great article on theconversation.com, and, and we really do enjoy that you are here with us. But why is this conversation ar- around updating the vaccines happening right now? Talk about that. Yeah, so one of the biggest concerns uh, that uh, is you know, we've related the vaccines is the emergence of new variants of concern for SARS-CoV-2. So, so this virus, it's an RNA virus and it can very quickly undergo uh, new genetic mutations. And often those mutations are localized in a part of the virus uh, that our vaccines target to be able to protect us from infection. Um, with the emergence of the Omicron, that kind of raised a lot of questions and concerns because of the number of mutations in that uh, that region. It's called a spike protein. Um, and the nature of the mutations suggested it might dampen the ability of our vaccines to protect us. So there has always been this thinking that this might happen, that we might need to update our coronavirus vaccines to uh, better match whatever new variant might uh, be emerging so that we have better protection. Um, So the mRNA vaccines in particular, you know, there's always been a thinking behind those ones because they are what we call rapid response vaccines that you can very, very quickly update to uh, be able to match whatever new uh, variant uh, might be emerging. So, So that's the thinking, and I believe already a lot of the manufacturers already got started with uh, updating their vaccine just in case our current vaccines are not going to provide sufficient protection against Omicron. I'm so glad that you mentioned the mutations because we were literally just talking, you know, off air. Australia just discovered something that they're calling an Omicron-like 
coronavirus that is spreads easier and is harder to detect, which thoroughly stresses yeah. me out. Like the variants thoroughly, aren't going anywhere. <laughs> thoroughly stresses me out. But how would a new vaccine? I mean, you kind of answered this, but I want to know, like. I know as the as the virus mutates, the vaccines are also you all are working on like people are working on like different trials and to make them better. But what would make this one different? Like how would it actually work? Yeah. So what the way we would actually update that is we would take the sequence for Omicron or even Omicron Plus, if, if the case is uh, in the, as the case might be in Australia, and in, instead of uh, you know currently our mRNA vaccines, they have an, a code for the original variant that uh, was uh, that first circulated. And that original code has been able to induce antibody responses that have cross-neutralized even new variants of concern that have emerged like Delta. Um, but if, let's say, Omicron is more resistant, then what we do is we just take the sequence out for them in that original spike protein and we replace it for the code for the spike protein from Omicron. By doing that, your body is going to make precisely the antibody responses that very effectively bind and neutralize the Omicron. Wow, that was a lot of science. Okay, so here's the thing. I I wonder, and explain this like you're talking to me like I'm a third grader, because initially I kind of really am. How long (laughs) does that really take? And, And I think the real question here for me is, I can't help but think about the hesitancy that is already around, and especially mm-hmm. when it comes to vaccines. If they're creating this new one, mm-hmm. is that going to just increase the hesitancy being like, well, why do I need this new one? Mm-hmm. Is it even worth it? What does that really look like from a perspective that you're coming from? All right. Yeah. To answer your first question, how long is that going to take? Um, With traditional vaccines, that could have taken about six to nine months, which is really too little, too late, if you think about it. Because generally, when you start to hear about a new variant emerging, it usually takes about five to six weeks before you start to see it start to dominate in in the world. That's what we saw with Delta from the first time we first uh, heard about Delta, the time that it took over. It was about six weeks. So if we're going to have a wave of Omicron, we're still several weeks out from that. Uh, and so a vaccine has to be fast to be able to uh, be available at the time that the wave occurs. Now, the mRNA vaccines do offer the opportunity to be much, much quicker than our traditional vaccines because you only need uh, the code for the new spike protein. You just swap that in. It actually only takes a few days to do that. And then in another few days to produce enough quantities of that new vaccine to test it and just make sure that it's doing what it's supposed to do. And if it is, then you have to do at least another human clinical trial just with a few hundred people just to make sure that it's still safe, that it's still uh, effective, that it's inducing the immune responses you expect it to. And if that works, then, you know, they can roll that out wow. as an updated vaccine. So so to answer some of your questions, they will test safety. There's no way they put out a new vaccine that they're not going to confirm again that it's safe. Now, we have a lot of safety data. Millions and millions of people have received mRNA vaccines. They're very, very safe. There's no reason to expect that swapping in a different sequence for different spike proteins going to make any difference, but we're going to take extra precaution. We're going to test that 
again uh, for safety. So, you know, hopefully that will uh, encourage, you know, people to take uh, that. This is going to be no different with what they've already received. The other thing that I want to emphasize is that this really isn't different uh, from what we have been doing for many years with the flu vaccine. Every year we have to get a new flu vaccine, right, because this year's uh, flu virus, last year's flu vaccine isn't going to protect us again. So uh, flu, like coronavirus, undergoes very rapid mutation. And so by the next year, it's not going to be the same virus as it was last year. Yeah, so which is what do they do? They update the vaccine. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, so it's <laughs> Deborah, really quickly, because we got about 30 seconds left. I've been asking yeah, sure. every expert that we've had on the show. Do you predict what is your prediction for a mask free life? Will we ever return to a mask free life since COVID doesn't seem to be going anywhere? Do you think that we ever will? And when do you foresee that? If so. Yeah, I do predict a mask-free life again. Uh, That doesn't mean we might need them again in the future for some other uh, future pandemic, but I do predict that it might, and it depends on us how quickly we take our vaccines and how quickly we respond to these. Uh, uh, you know, we're getting these variants because we still have a lot of unvaccinated people out there. Wow, Deborah Fuller, <sighs> thank you so much for joining us. You really kicked it out of the park. She's great. She's great. <laughs> All right, great. My uh, pleasure. All right, that was Deborah Fuller. She is a professor of microbiology uh, at the School of Medicine for the University of Washington. We really appreciate you for joining us. Now, up next, why is L.A. being compared to the purge and how should we prepare ourselves? Well, That's coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast.
podcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odyssey podcast. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Now, earlier this week, we talked about the increase of smash and grab robberies happening in California. Well, now LAPD is comparing Los Angeles to the damn purge due to its rise in crime. I don't know. Do I need to start, you know, taking, I don't know, gun range lessons and stuff? I have no clue. Probably so. <laughs> I'm like, it seems that way. What is going on? Well, we have Ken Charles, the pro- program director for our new sister station, KNX News, on 97.1 FM. Thank you so much for joining us to break all of this down. Ryan, if you're going to take gun lessons, you know what? I haven't shot a gun since I was a Boy Scout, but if you take gun lessons, I'm taking them with you. Wait, wait. first of all, there's so many things in that sentence that I'm just very confused about. <laughs> they, they, did, they did gun like range lessons sure did. in Boy Scouts? Yeah, I mean, look, you're, where I was a Boy Scout, when you go to, to summer Boy Scout camp, one of the things they would have you do is we would shoot 22 rifles on a rifle range, and, you know, you got your, I guess, shoot people merit badge or whatever it was. Oh, and, you know, my yeah. God. Masculinity America, sounds so gross. America is so horny for guns. <laughs> it's really sick. It now, runs so deep. But let's talk about this, Ken, because it's really alarming to see such an uptick in, in crime happening right now. What's really happening? Is it is it really as bad as the media is saying it is? Um, I guess it depends on which end you're on it. You know, look, crime is up. Crime is up significantly, and not just in Los Angeles. Um, and these smash and grabs and these follow-home robberies, this is really, really scary. These criminals, it seems like is it's changed. You know, It's not just your normal robberies anymore. It's organized. It's group-related. It's extraordinarily violent. Um, so, you know, has it, is it real? It's absolutely real. How can anyone say it's an exaggeration um, or blown out of proportion? And to be honest with you, if you're on the other end of it where you're a victim, you know just how real it is. Um, And especially look at the Avon, you know, murder. I mean, they broke into that house. That woman should be alive today and that family should not be without a mom. Yeah, it seems like it's just so organized and calculated. It's very scary. Every morning I wake up, it seems like there's a different lead story about a follow-home robbery or a I smash it was and like grab. There was just a major gang initiation happening. It feels like kind of that time when gangs were like really yeah. huge and, and there's initiations I, and stuff. For some, no. for some reason, I feel like this has nothing to do with gangs personally. Probably it doesn't. No. I don't think it has anything to do with gangs. I, I think you're, listen, I think you're absolutely right. And that's honestly what makes it scarier is that it's, I mean, you could say it's gang-related because it's a gang of people. Right. But those organized gangs that you're talking about and referring to, you're right. It's not part of that. And that, to me, makes it more scary because it's now jumped from the crime you would expect to the crime you wouldn't expect. And it looks like it's coming and happening by people who you wouldn't normally associate right. with things like this. The unknown is always more scary than the known. So what is being done about this? Because I know LAPD seems to be all over the place, and this seems like... I don't, I don't know, from my vantage point, like these are big traumatizing things that's happening to victims, but I also know how police tend to handle these types of things. So what's being done, I guess, to in an effort to kind of try to decrease these? Well, listen, you know, you saw the 14 arrests 
that happened yes. last week. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, the 14, even the one or two that already had violent crimes on the record, were immediately let go. So I know that there is a frustration inside LAPD that as quickly as they can arrest them, they're putting these people back on the streets, which is, you know, George Gascon, our, our, our district attorney, had a press conference yesterday where he wanted to laud his first year in the office, and all he was really asked about was what's going on, what is his office going to do, and how are we going to prevent that? And I'm not sure he ever really answered any of those questions. It does seem like LAPD is trying to get ahead of it, but, you know, look, as we all know, when it comes to this, cops can't be everywhere all the time. And so, okay, maybe it won't happen in Beverly Hills. Maybe it's going to move to Sherman Oaks. Then it's going to move down to, you know, Culver City. Then it's going to move. So every time a police organization tries to mobilize in one area, they're going to move to someplace else. And so businesses are going to have to take different precautions. And I got to tell you, shoppers and residents, I'm leery about, you know, my dog's a, you know, a little, you know, crazy little thing. And, yeah. you know, at four o'clock in the morning when she's like, dad, take me out. You know, I don't know if I want to go out anymore. Well, first of all, you should train your dog to tell her to go back to bed. And then you'll, wait, you, you'll take her out when she's ready to go out. Anyway, that's it, all. No, my dog's got me trained. That when she's got to go, she's got to go. Yes, that is how it is. <laughs> oh, my goodness. If you're a shopper or you're a business, be smart. And I don't mean profile because I don't think there is a profile yeah. for who's doing this. There if, if I were a shopper, just look around. Don't park in places where you're the lone car. Park under lights. Park where people are. If you're a business owner, you know, don't be stupid and don't profile. But I do think, you know, like I'm I'm looking at uh, Staples right outside my window and right on the street in front of the the window is a bunch of high-priced electronics gear. Mm -hmm. Don't do that. Yeah. I want to go downstairs with a hammer and break in and grab oh a new iPhone. <laughs> oh, my God. Ken Charles, thank you so much. It's always a fun time to having you here on the show. And congratulations again. You're doing such amazing work for KNX News. And we're very excited that the static's gone. And y'all, FM, y'all. We are clear. And you know what? We're on the FM along with you guys at Channel Q. So we're really excited about it. All right. Well, we really appreciate you. Everyone, please tune into KNX News 97.1 FM. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Oh, my God. Tucker Carlson. Why are we talking about Tucker Carlson? Well, he has another misogynistic hot take. Are you ready to hear it, Char? I know. I know. Everyone just take a deep breath. (laughs) Everyone just collectively get it together. Let's hear what the troll from the Fox News bridge has to say. All right. Here's this. So somebody who knows him told me, and I'd be interested in getting your take on this, that getting COVID emasculated him it changed him it we it feminized him it weakened him as a man do you think that's well i think he was very seriously ill yo for uh, sure he was and i think i mean one of, one of the things we have learned from covid is people who are so should uh, i play it again i just want to know like <laughs> who was this in context to i you know <laughs> I don't, you know, that's actually a really good, educated question. And I don't think Tucker Carlson needs anything in context to say anything stupid. 
I'm I'm seeing now that it was in context to British Prime Minister Boris Johnson, who spent three nights in an intensive care unit last year after testing positive for COVID-19. How does COVID-19 emasculate someone? Let me know. I would, you know, I think it's all all about because, you know, if you... The running joke online on social media is that like cishet men can't do anything without it being labeled gay or like a mm-hmm. like a, and I think maybe getting having sick. yeah getting sick or laying in a hospital bed with tubes down your throat and <laughs> you know maybe that's too gay that, for that's, that that's or it's the feminizing the feminization yeah. of, of manhood yeah maybe that or just looking being weak or coughing what 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 else could feminize a man through Tucker Carlson's lens I, I don't know but I know that this is dangerous to put out. Like I say with every Tucker Carlson story that we discuss here, yeah. that's why their Christmas tree was set on fire yesterday because people are tired. Yep. Like, Tucker, this could easily have been you, but guess what? It's not, and probably because you got vaccinated, which is something that you're not telling your your viewers to go yeah. out and do. Well, so, but it is, would you argue, Ryan, that this is pushing Fox News viewers to the grave? Because if a man is watching this segment, one of those he men make America great again type men, and they get sick with COVID, yeah. they're not going to go to the hospital because it's going to emasculate them. Here's the thing. I do think Fox News um, has some responsibility that they have to take for how they are reporting and, and the lives that are probably lost because of the reporting that they're doing. Mm-hmm. And so I do think they have a responsibility there. Um, but if I'm being honest, those those same folks watching Fox News would have probably uh, bit the dust without the media because they're so, you know, hypnotized by the MAGA himself. Yeah, which brings me back to, like, the segment that we had a little bit earlier. Like, as we roll out more of these vaccines, like, what then does that look like if people aren't getting the initial one to begin with? Exactly. But, y'all, we got a ton more show coming up. Uh, We actually have some low-key breaking news um, because the Jesse Smollett case has reached a verdict. We're just waiting for it to drop. Hopefully we'll find out at the top of the hour. But if not, We got Travis Scott. He's spoken out since his devastating concert where multiple lives were taken. Girl, we have that clip up next, so stick around for that. We got a lot to cover at the top of the hour news. Let's go there. Ain't stopping anytime soon. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Let's go there continues as we bring you another hour of this wonderful, wonderful show. And I know you love listening to it. I like doing it. And Charge I Sell loves being here. Oh, yes. <laughs> Me just putting words in everyone's mouths. <laughs> no, I, I really do enjoy being here down to the Channel Q. Oh, I... <laughs> <laughs> Can we please? <laughs> you know Shara's going to be Shara. No, always, always, always. <laughs> now, coming up, we have bestseller author George M. Johnson. And if you aren't familiar with them, they are one of the authors whose book was banned from schools. I mean, like in six in states. Six, I think it's about 10 states at this point. Really? Yes. You know, I interviewed George for World AIDS Day. I know. And we're going to talk a little bit about that oh, as yes. well. Um, and so they are actually going to be joining us to tell us more about that and, and what they are doing to fight this and the organizations that have come together to talk about this. That's actually one of my headlines coming up shortly. Um, now, here's some breaking news. Wow, it's even on CNN and everything. Breaking news. The jury has reached a verdict in the trial of Jesse Smith. It It took about nine hours and we are waiting for the I mean, we're literally waiting for more details as it comes out. So I literally just took to my Twitter and asked people for any predictions. What do you think? Here's the thing. I'm bracing for impact, regardless of what it is. I feel like I'm bracing for impact for this this verdict, unfortunately, because you just don't know 
what we're supposed to get away, get take away from this entire thing. I think the city of Chicago is PO'd and they are gunning to make an example out of him. Whew. Well, we'll just have to see. Well, as soon as we know, you will know. Trust okay. that, okay? Now, let's get into the top of the hour news. Um, as I mentioned, more than 600 best-selling authors, publishers, bookstore owners, and advocacy groups um, condemned the recent wave of LGBTQ plus and race-related book bans in public school libraries across the country. Over the last several weeks, lawmakers, school officials, and parents in at least 10 states, including New York, Texas, and Virginia, have sought to get rid of books about the lived experiences of black and LGBTQ people from elementary, middle, and high schools. Some of who are challenging the books argue that they contain graphic illustrations of LGBTQ sexual experiences or portray an unflattering image of the country's history with race. Um, Not an unflattering image. Well, and you know... (laughs) Okay, so over the holidays, and this is like a really quick pivot, um, over the holidays, I went to go see Hamilton, and I saw it here, they're doing Broadway in Los Angeles, and I I immediately was struck with the thought of, how has Hamilton, the musical, because it's so widely praised, everyone has seen it, how has it played a part in the the kind of the the understanding of what really took place historically? Because right now we see cast people of color being the founding fathers, Mm -hmm. and they kind of disregard the idea of what, the truth of what the history is it's right kind of like this this animation this cartoonification yes of, it rewrites it completely yeah and i think that really if you think about it i feel like that really plays a little piece not a whole entire piece but a little piece in why we are seeing so much around race and not understanding the complete history yeah. of what this country is about yeah um and so i'm very happy that we have george m johnson joining us later on this hour literally coming up to talk more about this like i said we'll have more headlines coming up next hour let's get straight into the T-Report. What's going on? Well, Travis Scott is addressing the tragic deaths and injuries that occurred at his Astro World Festival in a new interview with Charlemagne the God. And he claims the night felt like, quote, a regular show. Here's some of what he had to say. They, they, uh, collectively, they collectively heard folks screaming help every time you stopped the song to get your attention. Did you, did you hear any of those screams? Nah, man. And you know, it's so crazy because I'm that I'm that artist too. Like you know, anytime you can hear something like that, you want to stop the show. You want to make sure you know fans get the proper attention they need. You know, and I anytime I could see anything like that, I did. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, I stopped like a couple times to just make sure everybody was okay. And I just really just go off the you know the fans' energy as a collective. Mm-hmm. You know, call and response and. Well, there were approximately 50,000 attendees at the Astroworld audience and, you know, 10 fatalities and lots of uh, people that were harmed. I should go on to mention and trampled, I should mention, but I should go on to mention that during the interview, Travis Scott clarified to Charlemagne that as an artist who has high energy shows and encourages what he calls, quote unquote, raging the term is not one that he personally associates with harm. Ryan, I have to know what you think about this. He does not yeah. associate. Now, you know he was arrested for uh-huh. this, but the fact that he does not associate encouraging his fans to, quote unquote, rage, he does not associate that with harm. That's a lie, because um, one, he literally there was videos right after this devastating thing took place where there was um, I, I believe the news came out that it was like a 10 year old boy where that stole his shoe when he decided to crowd surf and he made sure oh, to 
I to saw get that the mic and, and, and yell and him. tell everyone to beat that little boy's butt. He berated him. And so my thing is, rage, and co- rage culture is most definitely harmful. I've been in some mosh pits in my time growing up because, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a little alternative. I like a little, uh, little rock stuff. And, well, and that has happened. Well, it, it is harmful. When I used to work for Live Nation back in the Dizay, yeah. I remember witnessing a mosh pit for the first time with my own two oh, eyes. It's so dangerous. It's oh, my fun. gosh. A, a girl came out. She broke her arm. Yeah, it's actually really her scary. Her arm it gets was broken. really intense. Now, you know I was giving it six feet before six feet was a thing. I wanted no <laughs> parts of the mosh pit. It just seemed like a cluster mess and yeah, violent. I've, got, I've gotten at least punched in the face. What? Yeah, it was at a... It was... And my thing is, if Real Rangers would probably not even consider like a Fallout Boy or a Paramore concert, kind of that type of thing. Uh-huh. But I was in the pit, and when Fallout Boy comes on, it just turned into a whole thing. And you know, you wear your Doc Martens for moments like that. And so we all kicking and, and elbows are swinging and things are happening. So Sounds like a crime mob concert I went to back in 2009. <laughs> Not crime mob. You know, knock if you buck. Yeah, well, that is uh, your T-Report. Head over to WeAreChannelQ.com to check out more of this story and so much more. Now, coming up, the battle between schools and queer authors continue. We have best-selling author George M. Johnson, who was one of the authors that were banned in 10 states, joining us up next. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Leading Ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, Christina Perry. At the King's Theater in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday, March 20th. Tickets are on sale now. You don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices. With Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, and Christina Perry. Odyssey's Leading Ladies presented by Olay Body. Buy your tickets now at kingstheater.com. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Okay, so quick little update before we get into this necessary conversation. My, my, my. Um, We have breaking news. Jesse Smollett has been found guilty of disorderly conduct. We will be discussing that further later this hour, literally coming up. Um, and I he, should mention that he's yeah. guilty of five of the six charges. Yes. Yeah, so but that we'll, Yeah, we'll elaborate later. That's just a little bit of an update. We're going to get, uh, get down into that. But right now, I really wanted to make sure we have this important conversation because the battle between schools and queer authors continue. As we mentioned earlier, more than 600 best-selling authors, publishers, bookstore owners, and advocacy groups um, on Wednesday condemned the recent wave of LGBTQ plus and race-related book bans in public school libraries across the country. Now, award-winning writer and executive producer George M. Johnson of one of, honestly, the best memoirs that I, I have to say is just out there called All Boys Aren't Blue. Mm-hmm. George is joining us because because 
their book is actually one of the books that was banned in 10 states. And I'm so honored to have them on the show. George, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. So let's dive into this because I think, George, I would love to know from the beginning, can you tell us what was that moment when you found out your first book was being banned? Um, initially, I laughed because I thought it was funny. Um, primarily because I didn't, I, <laughs> I never thought it would take them that long to catch on that the book was out there since it happened eight, almost 18 months after the book had came out. <laughs> um, so initially, I laughed at all because it was like one, just one district in Kansas City, Missouri that was doing it. Um, but after about a week when I saw kind of like other districts coming in to start to do it, it just kind of pissed me off uh, primarily uh, because the one thing I was noticing was that people hadn't read the book. And so they were pulling certain parts out of context uh, and painting the book in a way that uh, was unnecessary, untruthful, and just harmful and detrimental to the students and specifically black students who needed to read it. Yeah, I, you know, we talked at the top of the month about this because I mentioned to you it was feeling very Fahrenheit 451-ish, you know, (laughs) with banning books. What's next? But historically, we've seen this happen before. And you talked about this a little bit in the article, the piece that you wrote for Mike.com. Can you tell us how we've seen this take place? Yeah. um, Like historically. You know, historically, yeah. yeah. Um, it's interesting uh, because my next book I'm writing uh, will deal with slavery. And so in learning just more, because I wanted to learn more about Phyllis Wheatley, uh, I realized that, you know, we as school children were taught first African-American to publish a book of poetry. And the part that they leave out is that, one, there was a, a court in Boston uh, in which the, the famous white John Hancock, you know, how people says the signature John Hancock, mm-hmm. he was actually on the court. Uh, I believe it was nine of them who, where she had to go to court to prove that she had even written the book of poetry. Um, this was prior to it publishing because they didn't believe that a black woman, specifically uh, because they looked at us all as inferior, could have written something like that. Uh, even once she was found truthful that she did write the book, they then uh, basically wouldn't allow her to publish it in the United States, meaning she was technically the first person banned from publishing here. Um, and she had to publish it overseas, but it has historical precedence, you know, literally dating back to slavery. Cause if you just think about it, we were banned from being able to read. We were banned yeah. from being able to write. And, you know, so it's like how many stories were banned simply because language was banned from us and writing was banned from mm. us. Right. Cause so there are a bunch of stories uh, that, that should have been published and should have come out. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do have slave narratives. Uh, it's not many of them, but we do have where slaves have written books, but, even if you go into the history of some of those books, they were banned in certain states. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this is something that is not of chance. It is by design and it has historical precedence. Uh, today, when we are still watching them, in particular, try to attack the firsthand experience of black people in America. Yeah. I think what's really interesting and and what we really need to have an understanding, especially our audience listening, there's so much long term effects that this if this continues to happen, we'll continue to see in the future. Can you talk about that? Because if we continue to see this happen in this erasure of such necessary stories, what do you think? How how do you think that's going to impact us culturally? Yeah, it's really interesting, uh, especially because I'm in publishing and. You know, it's like book banning is on its face. It's stupid because um, 
when you really think about it, it's like these people who are trying to ban these books because of particular subjects, they're always going to the Bible as like their source or like they're Christians. And as Christians, we don't believe this. And it's like, well, if you read the Bible and you read the book of Genesis, literally the one fruit that, you know, was forbidden is what tempted them to eat it. And so banning books and making our books forbidden fruit is only going to tempt more people yeah. to want to know what's in it. Yeah. So it really creates the adverse effect. Um, and so in essence, uh, even when they ban books from, let's say, libraries, certain libraries, high school libraries and places, it only makes the reader more interested. And so in turn, it only creates more access points. And so mm-hmm. banning isn't necessarily bad. It's bad in of itself because no one has the right to tell us that we shouldn't be able to tell our own stories. But it does have an effect of where it gives the book more access points and more legs and more visibility for more people who never knew the book existed, who may have needed it to get it. Um, But there's just a danger in that particular type of erasure, because if it continues on, you could get to the place where lawsuits are filed against Walmart's targets, Barnes and Nobles for carrying books. Right. Um, And so we still have to be very, very cognizant of that fact um, to ensure it never gets to a place where book banning can happen in places where people can be consumers to choose their own content. Yeah, this has been so wild to me because, you know, like I said, we've talked in the past, like this isn't 1993. If kids want access to a book, like banning something from a high school library means nothing in 2021. Oh my God, 1993, that's when I was born. Oh gosh, is it really? Yeah, 1993. Oh goodness, but this isn't 1993. No, it's not. People have smartphones. (laughs) So I have to ask you really quickly before we go to break, as an author, Mm. as a content creator, as a writer, do you ever feel like you need to censor yourself? Ooh, that's such a good question. Um, and I can answer that because in All Boys Aren't Blue, the original draft, the two chapters that the people have issues with, which uh, talk about uh, molestation, sexual consent, as well as um, just uh, the first times that I had sex. Um, the first time I wrote that draft, I did censor myself. And my editor was like, uh, this isn't spicy enough with her edit note. And wow. I laughed because I was like, she was like, what she was saying was you're writing it too technical. Tell the truth about your story. Mm-hmm. Like say what it, how it happened, like lay it out for us. And so um, that in turn, that's what I did. And so like now when I go into my book writing, I am not looking to censor myself in that way. Um, I Teenagers are young adults who you know, again, it's like, Johanna, uh, there are 13-year-olds who can be given guns, right? So if, if a teenager can process... We've seen the, it on the Christmas cards. <laughs> you know, right. If, if you think that a teenager, or even younger, can process the the the, the dangers of, of holding a gun, shooting a gun, and can be fully capable of understanding that, yeah, I am not seeing where a book that may go into heavier topics like sexuality, race, gender is doing any harm to that particular child who can also process shooting a gun, carrying a gun, weapon. Like it's just, they're not, it's not connecting dots for me. Um, And so because of that, I I understand like censoring myself is not going to stop these people from finding some other angle to deny my story. So Mm. why do it? George M. Johnson, I know if y'all love them just as much as I do, you will go buy their books immediately. All Boys Aren't Blue, We Are Not Broken, two books that are necessary for your library. Thank you so much for joining us. 
Thank you for having me. Woo, hopefully you'll come back, you know, when you're promoting, you know, the TV show and everything else that you got coming <laughs> on. You know, you booked, busy and blessed. <laughs> yes. All right, y'all, we have yes. so much more show coming up. Thank you once again, George. And up next, we have to talk about Jesse Smollett and the, the I mean, being found guilty of five of the six counts. We have all the details coming up next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. All right, breaking news, everyone. Of course, if you have not heard, you are hearing now. Jesse Smollett has been found guilty on five counts of felony disorderly conduct by a Chicago jury for making false reports to police that he was the victim of a hate crime in January 2019. He was also acquitted on one count of felony disorderly con- uh, conduct. Uh, he took the stand and testified before the jury that he never lied to police and denied orchestrating the attack on himself. Um, However, uh, the prosecutor sought to show that the former Empire actor actually did make false reports to police after paying the brothers to carry out a stage Mm, hate mm, crime mm. attack against him to um, garner sympathetic media coverage. The disorderly um, conduct charge for a false crime report is a class four felony and punishable by up to three years in prison and a $25,000 fine. Um, What do we think? Um, initially, I'll say for about a week, and I said this the other day when I did a Twitter spaces with our friend Denver, um, I felt that Jesse was innocent for about a week. For me, the most damning thing was that sit down interview with Robin Roberts on Good Morning America. It just was not convincing to me. Um, And then there are just certain details of like the timeline that just don't make sense. I am curious. Part of me is a bit empathetic because at first... I was like, okay, is he, is there something going on internally, maybe? But the fact that he stood 10 toes down in this for years, this happened January 2019. 2019. We're about to be in January 2022. Yeah. So I'm wondering, for for what? Why not? This could have all went away. Yeah. This could have all went away. Why stand so firmly? Was it one of those things like the lie? You know, I always say a snowflake cause can turn into an avalanche. Was it just like he was just in too deep and couldn't? decided not to rescind the, the the lie. I just don't understand this. I cannot make sense of this. So the most damning thing for me when um, I continue to think about, it, I think the most hurtful thing and the, the long-lasting impacts that we're going to see on queer folks everywhere, especially queer folks of color and trans as well, um, is the fact that when something like this happens and now that he's been found guilty, now that it's been proven that he's lied, every attack moving forward, God forbid, knock on wood, but let's be honest, it will happen it will always be side-eyed. If not all the details are out there and and formulated in the perfect way that shows and proves time, period, who, what, when, and where, guess what? If that's not if that's not there, people will be looking at it sideways. And I think we have, unfortunately, this moment has knocked us back five steps back. And I think that, for me, is the most damning thing about this because I don't care that the fact that he just did all this for media coverage. Maybe there is clearly some mental health stuff going on and the fact that he thought this was a great idea. From 2019 to now, though, Ryan. I mean, but my thing is, I, I, I do not, honestly, I don't care what he does moving forward or what the place he's done. I, I can't help but think about, unfortunately, as queer folks, queer black folks in this country, we don't have the opportunity to separate, separate ourselves from one other action that the community, like one person. No, the because we're going to, we're going to catch it from black folks, from cishet black folks as well. <laughs> 
So, yeah, like that. That's the part that sucks here because now, from now on, we have we're gonna have this cloud over us, and we're gonna have to pay for the actions of one person, unfortunately. And um, it's like that for every marginalized group. Though. It is. It really is. But I, I do think about when I first heard this, when the attack first took place, and we first heard the news. I was one of those people that immediately posted about it and being like, I cannot believe this happened. I was terrified. I remember talking about it here on Channel Q and, and talking about it. We were at the it. height of the Trump presidency, too. It, it so was It's just terrifying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, to, and to see this now where it was at, and then once that interview happened, like you mentioned, um, it was one of those things where I was like, yeah, something's not adding up here. Um, and so it's just sad that we're here at this point. I just, I don't, I don't really, I don't really know what we do moving forward. The, I mean, we just, I guess we, we keep paying attention. Let me ask you this though, because I'm, I'm on my Twitter timeline and there's a lot of discussion, of course, going on a, a, around this. What are your thoughts about Kyle Rittenhouse, for example, who's been launched into conservative superstardom? Ooh, He's doing yeah. podcasts saying yeah. that he likes thick women of yeah. all races and F LeBron James who murdered two people yeah. who's essentially, you know, he's been, uh, we talked about this, offered internships and jobs and yeah. and now Jesse might be going to jail. The likelihood of him going to jail is like 50-50. And he's never going to have a career again. And if you didn't know, he just directed a, a movie, B-Boy Blues, yeah. that uh, just uh, came out, I believe, in, in, in some movie theaters. And it's supposed to be, it was supposed to be his big directorial debut and it was supposed to be like him kind of branching back into this space. And and also it, it featured a, two, a, a black queer romance story that we don't often get. Yeah. And so I think about the uh, the uh, this is from several different layers how Jesse will never get a rebirth of his career Kyle Rittenhouse so, is a, a, a white person who gets to joke about the the him hiding the gun or are getting rid of the gun and and the murders of these people and then laughing and joking like, and making a mockery of the situation just like just like this Zimmerman is our country did. remember yeah. Zimmerman went on tour and was like yes. signing stuff after the murder of Trayvon Martin it's unfortunate if you've ever questioned if you are a listener ever questioning about you know white privilege are the privileges that certain groups in this country get. I think that's a prime example of what we're seeing in, in the ways that Kyle Rittenhouse is literally going on a press tour and navigating his new star. And like, let me say this. I do think that Jesse does have a shot at coming back, but it won't be all the you? way. I do. And I said, in what I, way? I literally said this the other day. So I think that Jesse does have a shot at coming back. It's just going to take years. And I don't see him being a part of a television show. I see him being a part of small indie film projects. I don't see him being a part like exceeding small indie because there will be someone in Hollywood black in particular maybe even a Lee Daniels yeah. that will give him a chance but it will be a small indie project. He will not be back on TV for for episodic TV shows and yeah. he will not be on the big screen. Well, please let us know what you think at LGT Show Everywhere. That you know, we love for you to sound off on social. This is a crazy verdict that just took place, even at Weird Channel Q on social as well for all the updates. We'll continue to give you more updates as the story continues to develop. We just found out the major one, but trust here, you will be on top of all of the news here. So we got more show coming up. Don't go anywhere. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. Let me tell you about this crazy story coming out of New Zealand. So on Thursday, it said, which is today, right? Because I keep thinking it's yes, Friday. Today is. <laughs> Sorry to disappoint you. You got to come right back in here tomorrow. Oh, my God. Okay. So, well, New Zealand is saying it will move to ban young people from ever smoking tobacco in the country, gradually phasing out access to cigarettes for the next generation completely. So the plan is meant to eventually see the country create what officials called the first legislated, quote, smoke-free generation. Mm. I mean, and they said particularly they want to target the uh, Maori 
Hawaii and Pacific Islander and low income communities. Um, so <laughs> now I wonder. Now it's one thing to have this what? rule implicated. I mean, will impose, but I wonder why they're targeting certain communities. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. Um, I just think. I understand that there's always, and, and this just makes me flashback here in the country, those, you know, tobacco-free commercials where they're, like, trying to constantly tell the, you know, the young folks, do not smoke, it's bad mm-hmm. for you. I get it, I get it, I get it. But this idea of saying, okay, well, if you are 14 and anybody after you, you're not allowed to ever touch a cigarette, even when you turn 34. It's just not going to happen. And for me, um, that is a little extreme because yes it's bad but you're taking away the decision for someone to choose if they want to do it or not see this is a slippery slope because i thought about the mandates that everybody in america is kind of going back and forth about with you know your fundamental i guess civil liberties and all of that um as someone who has a personal vendetta against nicotine and cigarettes ryan you witnessed this yesterday when we were at our party Something was just like like tobacco smoke in the air. Someone maybe vaping or lit a cigarette, and Char is full on principal in the uh, in a middle school, being like, "Now who is no, over here smoking?" It makes this- me it makes me violently <laughs> angry because I don't want it in my clothes. I don't want it in my hair. Like I need you forty feet away from. I don't want it in my lungs. Yeah. So this is interesting, and I wonder why that why this is like the cutoff age, and also why they're targeting certain communities. But I do think. Do you think America could benefit from something like this, given our health? care system and lung cancer. Well, there's a lot that I feel like America could ben- uh, could benefit if they actually looked at other countries and saw the way that no their shade. countries are succeeding and doing things. But whatever. <laughs> um, but my thing is, I... I this is just a little different for me, especially when you're trying to compare it to like this idea of like what's happening here in the slippery slope with mandates and all these things. I, I think cigarettes... Are, the people are going to always smoke it, maybe because cigarette culture is just something here that's kind of quite the norm. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't like the idea of like just completely just stripping that away from a generation. It's a little weird. That feels really intense because what else are you going to strip away? Yeah. What else? That, that's why it's a slippery slope. Yeah. So I don't know. Let us know your thoughts at LGT Show Everywhere. And of course, we got more top of the hour news. We have all the updates that you need. Actually, there is a press conference happening from the Jesse Smollett verdict. Maybe we will be playing a clip if we can pull it really quickly. But that and so much more show coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Top of the hour headlines is coming right up. We have a ton more show here. Shar Jassil is filling in for Shira Lazar, who is out for the next couple of days. Oh, um, yes. Thanks for being here, Shar. Of course. Okay, let's talk about this. Um, uh, coming up, we have so much coming in this hour. I think this hour is going to be a little fun, right? We're talking about why you should question the kind of porn you watch. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting, right? Yeah, I wonder why that is. This is yeah, this is going to get interesting. <laughs> and then we're talking about the online dating beauty filter trap. You know, I feel like there's so many tools out there that will make you look more like the widely admired beauty ideal. But honestly, you're probably just disappointing yourself. And we're going to talk about how that Mm -hmm. takes place. So that's coming up this hour and so much more. But let's get into top of the hour news. So the FDA um, has authorized the Pfizer-BioNTech coronavirus vaccine booster shots for 16 
um, and 17-year-olds amid the Omicron threat. So basically, uh, um, officials said that it would bolster protection against Delta, uh, the variant be, uh, beyond, behind surging infections in parts of the United States, and um, could help tame the emerging Omicron version. The FDA decision came the day after new data from the company suggested that boosters may play a critical role in helping to control the Omicron variant by raising virus-fighting antibodies to block the pathogen, which echoed a finding by leading scientists in South Africa released earlier this week. I mean, clearly, we should be following South Africa's move because they're yeah, giving us well, actually what's going while on. While everyone's right? trying to ostracize them, <clears throat> we do need to be following their lead. They have some of the smartest scientists in the world down in South Africa. And I need to get my booster scheduled for next week, by the way. I know you got yours. Yes, I did. Um, now, Dr. Fauci, here he is speaking on how we should really be handling the holiday gatherings this year. Here's his recommendations. People should, if they invite people over their home, essentially ask and maybe require that people show evidence that they are vaccinated or give their honest and good faith word that they've been vaccinated. Well, all right. This is, this is oh, oh, there we go. This yeah. isn't anything new. Remember when Gail King met, made headlines months ago when she said, if you are not vaccinated, you're not coming over for Thanksgiving. <laughs> And people were like, what? She's going to oust her family? I mean, I think this is smart and safe. It's not worth it. Gail King was smart when she said that. Yeah. Um, And then, of course, oh, my God, there's this really weird story um, that producer Vanessa, I have to say, is a little obsessed with. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Oh, gosh. What is it, Ryan? So here we go. A COVID-19 killing chewing gum is currently in development. Um, And researchers think it could help prevent the spread of the virus around the world with the addition of the ACE2 protein to the gum itself. So researchers at the University of uh, Pennsylvania School of Dental Medicine are using saliva samples from COVID-19 patients to determine how the gum can neutralize the virus. So I guess the gum can absorb the the virus the, the saliva into the and the virus into from the saliva into the gum. And I guess cuz when you're chewing gum there's a lot of saliva involved and you're swallowing saliva. Yeah. So is it like neutralizing it and then you're swallowing it and you're okay it's it's something like that actually i'm gonna throw this over to our um our wonderful uh sister station that we had on earlier the show knx news they actually did an awesome uh interview about this with one of the researchers on the website it's over at odyssey.com check that out um because it is that is such a weird story but honestly whatever works works what's happening in the t-report well red table talk just keeps making the news in the latest episode well, upcoming episode. Um, I should mention this is Red Table Talk, the Estefans, because you know Gloria Estefan is is doing the Do Miami. People watch branch. that in the same ways that they watch no. the major one. No, no, not at all. Oh wow! Nevertheless, Ariel Winter is scheduled to be on. Did you watch Modern Family? I did. I did watch Modern. And Family. you like mockumentary type sitcoms like me? I do. I do. Reno Nine One One. Yes. Oh my God! I'll the, go office. the Office. You need Parker to watch Rex. Abbott Elementary yes, on I ABC. Know. <laughs> <laughs> Never, nevertheless, Ariel Winter is open. Opening up about how she overcame oversexualization and the negativity of trolls on Instagram. There's no clip for this. 
Oh yeah, there's no clip. I know. Oh, okay, I thought there was. I oh was, yeah, we there's no clip. Just... Now she's now she started uh, Modern Family when she was 11, and now she's 23. And she talked about how trolls tried to convince her to change her appearance. I don't know if you remember this, but she got a breast reduction. Reduction. Yeah, and I think she. I mean, from the the he- the photos that I'm seeing, I feel like she has had some work done. Which honestly, I'm all good for. If people want to get work done, go ahead and do it. That's not you know that's not yeah. my business. But I do I. I do hate that when, you know, kind of like these young actors, kids are going through the phases of being in the public eye, especially on a wildly successful show as My yes. Family, and people are trolling you about your appearance. Constantly. You, she, out of uh, out of the entire cast, out of all of the kids, she got it the worst. It and I wonder her. why. But while the full episode will delve into more, you know, like bullying that she experienced in the past, Winter has accused her estranged mother, Crystal Workman, for being part of the sexualization in her early years. Speaking to the Hollywood Reporter back in 2017, Winter claimed her mom dressed her in, quote, the smallest miniskirts, sailor suits, low cut things and the shortest dresses you've ever seen. People thought I was 24 when I was 12. And I'm sure her bust size did not help as far as like being read that way, which is also just a little bit creepy to me because, mom, why are you... Why are you doing this to your 12-year-old? Yeah, you know, sounds like, those momagers are, are something else. What are you selling? Like, you know? So um, I'm interested. I should mention that the Estefans premieres today. I mean, it's out right now on Facebook Watch if you want to take a look at Red Table Talk, the Estefans. Like I said, this f- Modern Family alum, Ariel Winter, she's talking about bullying, trolls, mm-hmm. and how she overcame it. Wow. Well, we'll check that out and more uh, information on that is on wearechannelq.com. And of course, coming up, Seriously, have y'all ever questioned the porn you watch? I mean, my thing is, is it ethical or is there a morality thing that goes into it? I don't know. We're going to discuss it with our fans. This is messy. Stephanie Gorlick coming (laughs) up next. Don't y'all go anywhere. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Let's talk about the porn. Uh, <laughs> I think here's the thing. There's a, there's a really interesting article on Vox.com about, you know, what kind of porn do you watch? Should you question the kind of porn you watch? And it really got us thinking here because I never, I guess, thought about it in that sense where you have to kind of think of is this porn ethical or not? Or if there's like you have some sort of like morality connected to the the type of porn that you watch. And so we really want to break this conversation down because maybe we should all be questioning the kind of porn you watch. Joining us for this is Stephanie Gorlick, a sex and relationship focused kink affirming therapist. Um, She's also an award winning author of the leather couch uh, and has a clinical practice with kinky clients oh i love it when stephanie's on thanks so much for being here hello my friend how are you you know what (laughs) i'm absolutely wonderful i'm always better when we get to talk all things sex with you so let's jump right into this why should we be kind of thinking about questioning the kind of porn we watch and is this a new idea has it just kind of popped up out of nowhere in the in i guess the cultural zeitgeist So, you know, I don't think it's a new idea in culture, but I think it's being newly applied to porn. We've been talking about the media portrayal of bodies when it comes to girls and fashion and models in magazines for a really long time. And the way that when we see the same body type or the same skin color or the same genders over and over again, we start to assume that that's what normal looks like. Now, 
shifted that conversation over to porn and talking about the same things. When we see the same body types, the same behaviors, the same things in porn, we start to internalize that as normal. And that, I think, is an expansion of a conversation that's been going on for a really long time. Yeah, it makes me think of like some of the performance that people are expected to do when having sex with each other. And it's highly influenced by porn. Um, What are your thoughts around like I've seen so many people talk about particularly like cisgender married couples. Like if your husband is watching porn that is not reflective of what you look like, should, should that raise red flags? So I don't think it should raise a red flag if only because porn for a lot of people, both men and women, it's an outlet for fantasy. It's a way to explore ideas or situations or partners that they might not have access to or even necessarily an interest in in real life. Porn is an escape from reality. So the Mm. fact that your partner is looking at a video that has people that don't look like you shouldn't necessarily be a threat. But we need to be mindful of the people that are in the videos that we're watching and making sure that we're exposing ourselves to lots of different types and experiences so that we're not starting to form a bias around what normal is. Oh my gosh. Yeah, no, that I think that is true. But I do think when you see that in a partner or what a partner's watching, it can, you know, bring up all these kind of insecurities about, oh, wow, maybe they aren't really attracted to me in that way. And I think it can create some things. But I do also think that there should be room to have those open conversations and that for me I actually went through something like that but I would love to know from you like what would you like to see more of in mainstream porn Uh, body diversity is huge there is um, a method to the madness in mainstream porn most of the cisgender women in mainstream porn Mm -hmm. are under five feet tall (laughs) and they tend to be around a hundred pounds or less and the reason why that is is because it creates an optical illusion between the male and female partner that makes the man look proportionally bigger. So, which is what that, mm, that I feel like that can tread into dangerous territory as well, as far as like, you know, because there's all these things advertised like barely legal, just turned 18 oh, that, that go along yeah, with that, that. I hate that. that I, mm, exactly. And so, you know, they're doing it from sort of this optical illusion perspective. But what happens is the viewer sees this very cookie cutter body type Mm -hmm. and they start to assume that that is what an average American woman or an average woman looks like. Um, And I've actually challenged some of my clients who... Um, we'll have a favorite porn star. And I'll say, you know, let's go on Wikipedia. Let's look up their measurements. Let's look up their, their height. And they're often shocked at how tiny they are. And it, it's hard to gauge that when you're watching it on a screen. But when you're able to kind of wrap your head around it, you're able to understand that you're being given a very skewed perspective. So if you're not hmm. actively seeking out diverse body types, 
you tend to start to form this idea that this is what healthy or this is what normal looks like. And I'd when imagine, actually the producers are, are skewing towards the smaller end of the spectrum. I'd imagine that the OnlyFans movement is kind of helping that with diversity and body type. I was type. just actually about to say that, and I, I would love for us to talk about that a little bit more and how, you know, I think content creators are kind of change, changing the narratives of what mm-hmm. we're seeing and, and how that could be a, a really big positive. Um, and I just want to continue this conversation. So we got more more Stephanie Gorlick coming up. Don't go anywhere. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We are back talking all things sex with the one and only Stephanie Gorlick. And, you know, she is breaking down why we should be questioning the type of porn that we watch. And thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate you. I'm happy to be here. All right. I'm throwing it over the Char. Stephanie, I have a burning question that Ryan and I were just talking about on break. I want to know your yes. thoughts around certain porn that has like a socio-political tie to it. For example, there is a sector of porn called race play that is like mm-hmm. the white cop pulling over the black thug. Of course, Stephanie knows. She's a, a there's, kink therapist. Yeah, but I'm, <laughs> but I'm uh, and there's also one that Ryan was talking about where someone showed up in an ice vest. Yes, yes. And, and I was reading a study that said in recent years, trans porn soar to popularity according to Pornhub's metadata both trans and transgender air quotes uh, the the search has quadrupled in the last three years like trans porn is in the top three categories in Pornhub's metadata but we see how this country treats transgender people what are your what are your thoughts around this what help me make sense of this so I love this question I actually just wrote about race play in my next book And one of the things that I think is really powerful about porn and about erotica is because it's already sort of taboo to explore sex, especially sex in a really graphic way, we tend to use porn to explore other topics that we feel like are taboo. And so when we go through moments of social unrest or social disruption or even just social change, like with evolving understanding of gender, one of the ways in which we sort of as a group, as a as a human organism process that is through our erotic content. And so we see more porn produced with difficult themes or challenging content because it's already um, something that we tend to view in private and it's already something that tends to be very personal to the viewer. And so it's a safe outlet for us to process our feelings around things like interracial relationships or racist cops or changing gender norms. We actually saw that um, I was doing research on porn over the last couple hundred years. And at the turn of the century in the 1900s, after the Civil War, we saw the same thing. We saw oh, a rise in, in interracial porn. Because the same thing was happening, right? Society was evolving in its understanding of what it meant to be in this new society. And porn is one of the ways that we process that. Okay, but I I just continue to think about the people who are making the porn, if they are not existing in those marginalized communities, how that is a slippery slope. I do believe that people should be able to have whatever way that they want to kind of express and, 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 and indulge in the information or maybe figure out where they fall in between those lines. But I think it does have some actual impact in real life. There's implications. Implications mm-hmm. to, to to what that really can do and, and how it affects those marginalized groups that they're sort of fetishizing. 
Yeah, because I, yeah. I don't have luck on dating apps, but go ahead. <laughs> no, 100%. You are totally true, totally correct. And that's one of the challenges as a kink-affirming therapist that a lot of my clients bring to me is, you know, the content creators aren't necessarily operating always from a great inclusive perspective, right? Often they are fetishizing people. But then I have clients who love that content and consume that content. And for them, it's a way to reclaim those painful experiences and to work to process things in a way that is cathartic for them. Now, is that Mm. true for all people? No. But what that brings up for some viewers is really powerful and also can evoke a lot of guilt. So you're right. This is a very, very contentious, very, very delicate topic because some people take a lot of pleasure and find a lot of healing in things that are quite disturbing and off-putting. I want to know how, and you may not be able to answer this. As a matter of fact, I don't know if this is even on topic, but it just, the cognitive dissonance that has to be performed just baffles me that people yeah like like i just read that statistic about how the terms trans and transgender are like top third you know but then it doesn't seem like people's empathy meter goes off as a collective whole in Mm. society as far as treating trans people as as humans if we're being honest sex and empathy do not go hand in hand and i I don't understand how how that can happen it's really mind-boggling to me interesting so the states that consume the most porn tend to also be the most conservative states. Of course. No, you are lying. Uh, no, are you surprised, Ryan? A are you really bit. surprised? Well, not all the way, but just a little bit. I'm definitely not surprised. Go ahead. I, I think, and my, 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 I'm going from memory, so I might be a little bit out of date, but the last research that I saw when, when Pornhub put out the last round of data that I remember seeing, the, the top consumer of porn was actually the state of Utah. So that ties directly back into what I was saying about the use of already taboo material Mm -hmm. to explore things that they might not be comfortable exploring outside of or in the public sphere. So it, it makes sense that somebody that is uncomfortable with, let's go with trans folks or with, with who might have never met a trans person if that's already something that makes them feel uncomfortable or curious, that they would go towards something else that makes them feel uncomfortable and curious, mm. like porn, to well, be their, their source material. Well, Stephanie, real quick, because we have about 30, 15 to 30 seconds left, real quick. I just wonder if someone's listening to this and they had a partner, like uh, their partner they just recently discovered, looking through the browse history, seeing some problematic <laughs> stuff. How do they have that conversation with their Good partner? question. That is not a question I can answer in 15 seconds, but I am writing a book about exactly that topic. That is my next book. That's it. Here we go. Well, but guess what? You got to get ready for Stephanie Gorlick's book. We appreciate you so much for joining us. Hold on the line, Stephanie. I got a question off air. (laughs) We got more. Oh, my goodness. All right, Ashar. Thank you so much for having me. No, of course. Ashar has more questions for Stephanie right after this. We have more show coming up as well, so don't y'all go anywhere. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. The Pope is speaking again, um, and this time he is telling everyone that, guess what? Everybody can just have sex with whoever they want, you know? Um, And (sighs) (laughs) 
Let me, I guess he, I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, right? You know? Yeah, like his direct quote was, sins of the flesh are not the most serious. So you can basically have sex out of marriage or whatever. And my thing is, the Pope is just a little too wishy-washy for me because one minute you can't even, you say you uh, you support same-sex marriages and, and queer folks, but then you can't really call, you can't call it like a, you call it like a civil union, but you can't say it's like a marriage. It's all these certain things where he goes back after there's backlash and then now we're seeing this it's just like what the Catholic I, Church should be not talking about sex in any ways with their track record okay and what I find most interesting is he said that the top transgressions aka sins include pride and hatred now Ryan I don't know about you I know we're both church kids yes and I was always taught that there was I'm not really religious now but for the sake of this argument that there's no sin greater than the other so mm-hmm. I never understood why certain quote unquote sins were placed on a pedestal. I agree. I agree. So how is the Pope gonna say top sins essentially? <laughs> like he got are he pride has, and hatred. He has a top five list. Because I was told that that no sin is greater than the other. None. Wow. None. Were you taught that same thing? I was taught that same thing as well. But I also came from uh, I think uh, coming from a Pentecostal that's um, like Church and God and Christ. They were very very strict in ways that I I never realized until I was out of it. And then also when I went to other churches that were a different denomination, and yeah. I kind of saw that there was a, a loose kind of experience. Where, you're, you're a Pentecostal Kojic? Yeah. Is that where the girls have to wear the jean skirts they down have to, to wear, their ankles? They, yes. Every, and and they're not, not allowed to wear pants at all? And they're not allowed, in the pulpit? They're not allowed to be in the pulpit. They, they're, yeah, it's like a so whole thing. So much for thing. feminism. And, and like I remember there was all these moments of just such so much judgment just off of anything. Like You couldn't even listen. If they caught you listening to secular music, or rap music or anything. You have the world. You're, you be a it's world. It's bad. Dude. Like, I mean, I got, <laughs> I got, you know, in, in, in trouble once because they were tracking me on social media and I told my friend that I like loved them just out of just saying I love my friend and it was a, a, a male and they made it into this whole ordeal and it turned out. Was it, was, it an exorcism they performed on not you? Not an uh, well, I don't want to get into details because all that is still very traumatizing. I'm sorry. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's one of those things where I, Religion is just, it, it's really interesting how they decide that they are the keepers of what's good and what's bad. Yeah, and it's always been so strange to me because, I mean, not to go down the religious rabbit hole, but, you know, there's all, all sorts of different interpretation of scripture. Yeah. I often joke and say you can go to four different churches in the same day and have four different pastors, four different interpretations <laughs> yeah. from the same scripture. It's so true. So most it's people so join churches and join religions that, abide by their biases their biases yes. if you're a single mother and the person's in the pulpit railing against single mothers yep. and all you're not going to be there yeah you're not going to be there and don't let a scandal break through the church because that's oh, the scandals are the running town. all throughout every church that's but ultimately the, talk of the town ultimately what do you think about this because you know a lot of people if we're being honest it's not even catholics a lot of christians put the pope you know it's like his word word his way or the highway what do you think about this new statement that he put out. I fear, I'm going to tell you, I yeah. fear that a lot of Catholic men are about to gaslight the hell out of their wives <laughs> when they step out because the Pope said it's okay. You know, the, my homie, the Pope said that I could do it. Yeah. So what yeah, you yeah. going to do? Because in this household, I run it. I hope the wives return the same energy. I hope they do as well. <laughs> Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. And it's time for my favorite part of the show, the yeah. 
Yes, queen. Yes, queen. Come on. And this one goes out to Wonder Woman, a.k.a. Diana Prince, um, because honestly, they've always seemed pretty queer, you know. She's typically been portrayed as romancing Steve Trevor in, in the movies, if you didn't know. That was Chris Pine's the... character, right? Huh? From, that was Chris Pine's character yes, yes, on yes, the yes, plane? Yes, okay. yes, yes. Um, but Wonder Woman's queerness was confirmed back in 2016 um, by Greg Ruka, who worked on the Wonder Woman comics for DC during the 2000s. Um, but guess what? Now in the new comic series, Dark Knights of Steel, Wonder Woman's assumed queerness is finally on the page. Uh, Wonder Woman makes her first appearance in the second issue of the series. And apparently, honey, she has a whole ass girlfriend. And that's okay. super cute, right? Um, now, the I guess their relationship will be further explored. We're not really sure if they're going to get married or what's going to happen. But it's still, it's a... Fulfillment of many queer Wonder Woman fans' wishes because everyone has been wanting her to have some sort of moment. I think she's actually getting together with Superman's sister. What? Yeah. Okay. Wonder Woman, this storyline kind of reminds me, you remember Xena Warrior Princess. <laughs> there was always, it's kind of like you got to read between the lines. And I loved Xena growing up, but I was able to read between the lines with her and her little blonde sidekick. Yeah, I, you know, I think we wanted to highlight this because I guess there's never been a better time to be a queer DC Comics lover. So shout out to y'all and shout out to this story. You're getting a big yeah. As queen. Yes, queen. Now, that is it for the show, which honestly, thank you. Um, if you want, if you missed anything, I think if you join the show late, head over to the Odyssey app because guess what? We turn our shows into a podcast and you can catch up on everything you missed. And today we talked about a lot. Tomorrow we will continue on the news, the latest updates coming out of the Jesse Smollett, who is guilty. We're going to mm-hmm. be diving in on that, getting a reporter who is down in Chicago to figure everything out. And of course, up next is Loveline, and Dr. Chris is talking about assessing our relationship with alcohol. Woo, that's going to be a deep one. I need to tune in to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is it for me. Thank you so much, Char, for joining me once again. I can't wait to hang out with you tomorrow. Oh, yes. And uh, honestly, y'all, remember to slay. Bye. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. 
Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.